0: Hello, and welcome to the Great Inflation versus Deflation Debate, Part 11, An Incorrect Statement. This is Vox's response to uh, Nate's last post, so let's get into it. Um, Article will be linked, and uh, check out the full playlist. On to the video. Nate began the 8th installment of the series by uh, getting some things factually incorrect. To begin with, uh, by the way, they kind of miscounted. Uh, to begin with, Z1 did not begin to decline in July 2008 as it peaked it at $52.9 trillion in Q1, 2009, a figure it did not reach again until Q3, 2011, when it hit $53.8 trillion, 2008 merely served as a warning sign as total credit growth ceased to keep pace with the 60-year historical rate, thus triggering two-quarters of 10% growth uh, in the federal debt sector in the latter part of the year. Gold and silver prices certainly did rise during the time, as did the stock market, but this was a result of the near-unprecedented increase in federal spending, which was taking place at the time. Even as the household and financial sectors contracted, the federal sector expanded by $3.3 trillion. Merely the federal expansion, uh, you will note, is considerably greater than the increase in savings over that time period. In fact, it is $1.2 trillion more than the total amount of Accent currency plus demand deposits. And note that the government uh, economists appear to have been keenly aware of the warning provided by the debt disinflation, which you may recall was ki- uh, characterized by a credit crunch at the time, as the massive increase in government borrowing preceded the actual debt deflation by three quarters. As Mises and others have remarked, inflation versus uh, inflation does not affect Every sector of the economy at once. That is the whole reason it is desired by certain economic actors. They expect to benefit disproportionately from the ability to spend less expensive money at its previous value. Nate's tangent into malinvestment isn't completely irrelevant, as the real estate was certainly one of the primary areas of malinvestment, along with healthcare and higher education sectors, but it isn't of particular importance because my case is not dependent upon the housing prices. It is merely pointed out because it shows that inflation, despite massive reinflation efforts, hasn't been enough to counteract four years of ongoing credit contraction across the economy. Nate is looking at Z1, or more poignantly L1, as a whole rather than its component parts. This is not unreasonable, but unless one looks at the component parts, one cannot understand the importance of the consequences of the shift in the nature of the credit market that has been the federal element that has seen the federal element double from 10.3% of the entire credit market to a current 20.6%. Well Nate sees as evidence of inflation the modestly high prices in gold, silver, and equity markets uh is largely limited to the areas of federal intervention. This is why wealth care or health care and higher education prices are still rising to new heights while real estate prices are struggling to get back to where they were. These areas are creating new height these areas that are reaching new heights are where the outstanding eleven point six trillion in government credit is flowing. That is where the malinvestment is still being directed. I will not dig further into Nate's answer, I don't know uh, the answer to either of them. Uh, the point was to direct the attention of what Nate sees is significant, which is the total amount of savings and the cash in the various banks. Why Cyprus? What Cyprus should have suffered to demonstrate uh, was that the greater part of the savings he cited did not exist in any material capacity except as debt claims. As has been repeatedly pointed out here, deposits are legally defined as debts owed by the bank and depositor, depositor, and therefore qualify as a credit money even before they are subsequently loaned out and multiplied. Now, Nate concludes while citing the 56. Uh, recorded historical incidents of hyperinflation, it is true that hyperinflation is possible within the nominal credit money system, especially the broader sense in which Mises and I question the existence of true fiat money. But that is not to say that the credit money system is created alike. <clears throat> all, it is not to say that all credit money systems are created alike. I note that each of the hyper, hyperinflationary scenarios ...were a very short-lived and tended to be closely tied to seriously serious political upheaval. Longest period is two years, which happened twice in China during the 1940s. Note, however, that these hyperinflations tend to take place after the wars or major political upheavals. The frequency with which they take place after independence is gained by a nation is reminiscent of the high inflation that plagued the American colonial currencies and the continental dollar. If any hyperinflation was to take place, history suggests it would likely take place after the collapse uh, and political chaos. It would uh, be a result of it, not a cause. What Nate omits to mention is that there have been even more sovereign debt defaults, which he concedes are deflationary, than hyperinflation uh, since the first hyperinflation on his list took place in 1919. Nate is correct to say that one must be careful not to mistake can't with won't, but his flight, but his flight analogy fails uh, because I am not claiming that something must be lighter than air to fly in defiance of the 50, 56 airplanes soaring overhead, but rather pointing to the particular vehicles constructed from empty shipping containers and bound together with string, chewing gum, and Teflon te- straps uh, watching the pilot rep- repeatedly taxi up and down the tarmac and expressing my doubts that it is going to take flight. We have seen massive increases in virtually every monetary measure. We have been told to expect considerable inflation and yet we are still here seeing a rise in general prices uh, con- Commitment. With the size of the expansion, Ben and Mario are monetizing uh, the debts like mad. Kudara is acting even more aggressively to the extent that their efforts expand the limited amount of inflation that have been created as a financial market and move money money out of the banking reserves and into the general economy have failed. The situation appears to be more can't than won't. Remember, it's not enough to merely print money. The amount printed and distributed has been greater then continuing the contract- contraction of private credit and the evaporation of bank deposits. And keep in mind that the combined $4.2 trillion decline in outstanding household and financial sector credit since 2000 alone exceeds by a factor of nearly four the entire amount of U.S. currency presently in circulation. The amount of credit outstanding is simply too great for helicopter Uh, dropping of actual cash and coins to be able to compensate for it much and simply flipping an electronic switch and adding a zero to everyone's bank account isn't going to change anything at all because the entire financial system depends upon inflation working its way gradually through it nate is correct in to note that people are becoming increasingly drawn to holding cash in their hand but he is forgetting that when cash becomes more valuable in this manner, it is strongly ind- indicative of a deflationary environment, not an inflationary one. In the inflationary environment, one wants to take on more debt and hold less cash. In a deflationary environment, one wants, wants to avoid debt and hold more cash. The intellectual gymnastics, notwithstanding, no one's true position on the matter can be ascertained by one's material preferences and actions. In fact, a money that is continually depreciating becomes useless even for cash transactions. Everybody attempts to maximize his cash reserves, uh, which are a source of continual loss. Incoming money is spent as quickly as possible, and in the purchases that are made in order to obtain goods with a stable value in place of depreciating money, even higher prices will be agreed to than would otherwise be in accordance with the market conditions at the time. When commodities that are Not needed or at least not in the moment are purchased in order to avoid the holdings of notes. Then the process of extrusion of the notes from use as a general medium of exchange has already begun. It is the beginning of the demonetization of the notes. Mises, The Theory of Money and Credit, page 227. That concludes this one and I will see you guys on the next one. Have a good day.